guys, welcome back to my channel. So today I am doing another true crime video and this one is a very frustrating one. It is one that I think there's going to be really varying opinions out there about what happened and who is responsible. This is either one of the weirdest cases ever or it's a major misjustice to a victim's family. So today I'm gonna to be telling you about a couple out of Houston, Texas. Sandra Melgar or Sandy and then Jaime Melgar also known as Jim. So Jim was born on August 10th, 1960 in Guatemala and when he was around three years old his family family left Guatemala and came to America. Jim was someone who was really smart, very smart actually, really well liked, was considered to be really funny and charming and someone that people liked to be around. And when he was in high school, he met Sandra and the two of them started dating. They ended up getting married. They were high school sweethearts and they ended up forming a really amazing life together. They had a daughter named Liz. They were really supportive of each other. They were really, really close and connected to each other. Definitely knew what was going on in each other's lives. Everyone who knew them said that they were like super loving towards each other. They're an awesome couple, really loving. Bob and Patsy Laurel were friends with the Melgars. Oh my God, <laughs> she made the best sangria. One struggle that Sandy was dealing with, however, was chronic pain and illness. She had gone through several different hip surgeries, which, you know, takes a huge toll on your body. She also had hypothyroidism, lupus, and epilepsy. So she was constantly dealing with health struggles and it really held her back in a lot of ways. At one point, she ended up becoming paralyzed on one side of her body. And so she had to go through a ton of treatment and rehab. However, even though it's very, you know, draining to be a caretaker, Jim really was there for Sandy during everything. He really understood what, you know, vowing to be with her in sickness and in health meant. And he didn't mind taking care of her. He never complained. He was always willing to help in any way that he could. Their family said that, in fact, they actually became closer as her health got worse over time because he really loved taking care of her and he never resented her or showed any sign of being annoyed with her for, you know, having these health issues. So let's fast forward to December of 2012. So it was December 23rd of 2012 and this was actually their 32nd wedding anniversary. So they were celebrating. So first they went to dinner at their favorite local Mexican restaurant and had a nice meal. After that, they decided to stop at a CVS on the way home to get some drink mixers to make some cocktails back at home. They got home, it was really casual. They just started hanging out, making drinks, and they decided to take a soak in their jacuzzi tub that they had in their bathroom in their master suite. So they were literally just chilling in the hot tub, relaxing on their anniversary, maybe, you know, having a little, a little love session. I mean, who knows what was going on in there, but they were having a nice time. She said they were really just talking and relaxing and soaking in their hot tub. But while they were sitting in the bathtub, their dog started barking outside and Jim thought that was weird. So he got out of the bathtub to go see what was going on. And after a while, he didn't come back. So Sandy actually decided to get out of the hot tub herself. She said she got out, walked to her closet and sat down and just started applying leg lotion, you know, like you do after you get out of a bath or something. And she was preparing to put clothes on. And that is the last thing that she remembers. You guys know I'm a big animal lover. I have 10 pets and three of them are cats, but I'm also a big believer that cats should be seen and not smelled. I mean, is there anything worse than walking into a house and being hit with that nose full of cat stink? That's why we use Pretty Litter in our house. It's got best in class superior odor control and that's just one of the reasons why I love it. The coolest part about Pretty Litter is that the crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses like urinary tract infection, kidney issues, and more. And this is so important to me, especially now that all my cats are over the age of 10. I'm always worried about their health and just
just having that extra peace of mind is so, so nice. And nothing beats Pretty Litter's odor control. It's ultra absorbent and instantly traps odor. It's lightweight, dust-free, and works for up to a month without clumping. That means no more wasting litter. Plus, Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. And I never run out. I don't have to have that massive container of litter taking up space, and I don't have to lug a bulky container from a store to my car and then into my house. If you don't want people coming into your home and being hit with a nose full of cat stink, Get Pretty Litter today. Go to prettylitter.com slash Kendall Ray to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Kendall Ray to save 20% on your first order. Prettylitter.com slash Kendall Ray. So the following day, the family actually had plans to be hosting kind of a family get together. Jim's brother Herman was gonna be coming over with a couple other people in his family that day. They got to their house around 4.30 as they had planned and were just knocking at the door knock on the door, no answer. At this point, we're thinking, okay, they're getting ready. Maybe they're not even up yet. The only thing that they could hear were the dogs barking. So they started looking around and Herman actually found out that one of the garage doors was open as well as one of the doors to the house was just unlocked and open. So he decided to go in through the door and then went and let the rest of his family in through the front door. My dad's already in the living room. Come on, come sit down, you know, let's make ourselves at home. And we're like, no, 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 no. This is just, no, something doesn't feel right. And then it was at that point where we hear, there was just mumbling. It was just, and then it was finally we heard help, help. The family was walking through the house, seeing if anyone was home and what was going on when all of a sudden they heard someone screaming. They ran upstairs hearing the screams and they went up to the master bedroom where they found the closet door with a chair propped up underneath it so that you couldn't open it from the inside. The chair pushed. The, the, the door. And someone was screaming on the other side of the closet door. He quickly moved the chair, opened the door, and he sees Sandy laying there tied up, her arms and her feet unable to move. So she tells him there are some scissors on the bathroom counter, just grab those, bring them in. So he does, he cuts her free. And when they did, they realized Sandra was laying in her own feces and urine. Now this is kind of confusing, but they have two different closets. They have a master bedroom closet, and then they have a closet that's actually in the bathroom of the master. So that's where Sandy was, and then they get Sandy untied, get her up, and they start walking out into the master, and that's when they find Jim in the master bedroom closet. And Jim had been brutally attacked stabbed over 31 times. He had damage to his skull, his brain. It was a horrific scene. And as soon as Sandy saw him, she went absolutely hysterical. Family members had to like pull her back. Can you imagine walking in on that, what you would think? His legs were actually tied up using a telephone cord and then there was a rope around his chest. He had a bunch of defensive wounds on his hand. He obviously put up quite a fight at the end of his life, which is just terribly sad. So they called the police. The police came to the house and and they are trying to figure out what the hell happened here. So there's obviously a very upset Sandy who has also just claimed to have had a horrible seizure. So she's in pain. She feels like she can barely move. They have Jim stabbed over 30 times in his bedroom closet on the floor. And then the bathtub was still filled with water. And there was strangely a white blouse floating in the bathtub. And there was also a kitchen knife at the bottom of the bathtub, which they think was used on Jim. The house totally looked like it had been broken into and ransacked. Drawers were pulled out. There were stuff 
stuff rummaged through, things thrown about the house. It was a total mess. Sandy's jewelry box was just wide open and there were some things missing from it. Jim's wallet and Sandy's purse were also emptied out onto the bed. So whoever was there was looking for something to take. And in the closet that Jim was found in, there was a safe with a loaded gun in it. And there was some blood right around that area on the racks of the closet, right where the safe was. And it was really close to where his head was. So they think that he was actually putting his hands up, which were covered in blood, to try to open the safe to get the gun. So the police decide that the best place to start is with Sandy. I mean, she was obviously with Jim all night. She was the closest to this experience. So they bring her in for questioning. And immediately, police are already starting to think that there is no way that there was actually a home invasion, that this was a home invasion that was staged by Sandy in order to kill her husband for some reason. And they wanted to find a motive. Any disagreement? We didn't drink much. I think if I had two, I wouldn't even think I'd finish the second. And yeah, I had three. He got out once to go get ice and then came back and said he was going to put the dogs, move the dogs because they were barking too much. Y'all sit there for a good solid two hours talking? Yeah. He got out and said he was moving the dogs to the office because when they're too loud and he just, you know, it was taking a while, so I got out and was going to get dressed. That's all I remember until I woke up. And I remember I woke up and I thought I had a seizure because my muscles hurt and my head was just hurting real bad. And usually lately I've been having trouble with uh, controlling my seizures. Several hours later, I woke up and realized I was tied up. I tried to flip over. And then I kind of got stuck. Do you have pain? Do I have pain? My my legs were cramping and my <clears throat> wrists hurt from the... Nowhere else? Uh, I have pain in my head here. Like what? Like I got hit on the head. I don't know if I fell or was pushed or what, but it's like all alongside this side. So when you're in the, in the jacuzzi, what are you wearing when you're in the jacuzzi? Nothing. Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And then when who found you today? Uh, my sister-in-law, Carmen. Okay. What were you wearing when your sister-in-law found you? This, this your robe and this nightgown. When I wake up, I hear the the dogs crying actually, and then all of a sudden they started barking. And then that's when I heard their voices. Good. And where are you at right this time? In the closet. But I was like up against the bottom of the the door. And so I started yelling. Okay. And then what happened? They they came in and I don't remember. I think I saw him first. Uh, Herman or, or uh, her husband first. And he tried to untie it and he couldn't. Untie what? The the ties on my hands and my feet. Okay, and how are you tied? Uh, behind, behind my back, behind my back and my legs. I couldn't straighten them. Herman sh- shows shows up because he hears you yelling. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, what's he do at that point when he finds you? He tries to untie me and he couldn't. And so he walk. He just right walks. Sees you in the closet. And walks right in. No, the chair was blocking it. There was a chair. I usually keep that chair inside my closet. How was it blocking the door? I don't know, but I just saw when you moved it, it, it like 
blocked the chair, and then he, you know, the chair, when he, when he tried to open the door, the chair stopped it, and then he moved the chair and then opened the door. And I was on the floor, and I told him to please untie me. I was the family members over there today. My husband had invited them for lunch and dinner. And what were y'all's plans for the future? When you're sitting in jacuzzi, what y'all want to do in the future? We're going to move. And uh, travel. We talked about trading my car in for something else. Something to travel with. What is your understanding? What, what, what has happened? Um, What's happened? I'm trying to remember. I think when we left CVS, there was a, a car following us because when we came in our neighborhood, it was still behind us. And he was really close. And my husband, I get upset with him because he, he would drive slower to when someone was tailgating him. And I tell him, don't do that because, you know, it's dangerous. But the guy turned left, and we turned right, and so we thought it was just a coincidence. Who else would be in the house? No one would have, that I know of, no one. But we wouldn't have left the garage door open either. You would have closed the garage door? I never used that side. I know how it looks. But I was also tied up, and there's, I couldn't, that's just. You said you hadn't had much to drink. You're coherent, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, what are you hearing before you said that you blacked out? Nothing. Nobody running, nobody saying anything, shouting? You no, know, right after, I, sometimes I can't even tell you my name. Okay, and let me ask you this. And I asked you before, but you didn't answer my question. Why are we here? Do you know what has happened today? I don't think he was shot. Uh, what do you I understand? Heard it. What do you understand has happened? You know, who told you that he was murdered? I saw him. You did? Yes. When they untied me, I heard hysterical screaming, and I ran over there, and I checked his pulse. Okay. To see if there was anything we could do. Yeah, I saw him. Sandy claims that when all this happens, while she was putting the lotion on, she at some point has a seizure. What did you do when you woke up the first time? I couldn't move because I had a seizure, and so I usually can't move anyway. How often do you have seizures like that? I've been getting them more lately. I'm not able to drive anymore. Oh, I have auras, uh, signs that tell me that I'm going to have one. It's like very forgetful, more than usual. 
I've seen seizures before. I've never had one myself, but it's horrific. It's really scary and you totally shut down. It's like the person leaves their body. So I can definitely understand how if you have epilepsy and you have a seizure, you would black out and wouldn't know what was going on. Sandy said that when she woke up, she was in so much pain from her seizure that she literally couldn't move. She's pretty sure that she was hit in the head, which knocked her out and triggered a seizure. But police insisted that it was too convenient for her to have just blacked out while her husband is being murdered in the other room. So after interrogating her and pretty much breaking her down, the police asked her if she wanted to do a polygraph test. Many of you probably know polygraph tests are often wrong. They can really not be taken seriously as real evidence because they're so often wrong, it's insane. Things like stress and trauma can change the results. And so she decided not to do the polygraph test. She said she was under way too much stress from the police, from the incident that she just went through from being tied up, having a seizure, all these things, losing her husband. So she flat out said, I don't wanna do the polygraph test. Now, oftentimes police will take a person deciding not to take the polygraph test as an automatic like admission of guilt. And they really start honing in on that person. The police ended up not having any solid evidence that Sandy was to blame here. So they ended up letting her go and she was not considered a suspect. For the next year and a half, the case remained open. They were trying to work on it, but there were no serious leads or anything. And meanwhile, Sandy was at home trying to recover, trying to heal with her family and make sense of what had happened to them. And just when the family is starting to think that it's kind of all, you know, put to rest, they ended up finding out that there was a grand jury indictment for Sandy Melger for the murder of her husband, Jim Melger. They put out a warrant for her arrest. So the family decided that the best thing to do was to have Sandy contact her lawyer and turn herself in. So that's what she did. She was charged, but was released on bail for the next three years while they got the trial together. Finally, in 2017, it was time for the trial to start. So during her trial, prosecutors ended up arguing that Sandy actually wasn't really in love with Jim, that they had this fake loving relationship and everyone knew them as this great couple, but it was all a facade because she actually wanted a divorce. One thing to note here is Sandy and Jim were Jehovah's Witnesses, which is very serious. I'm don't know too much about it, to be honest, but they take things like marriage very seriously. So prosecutors started making the argument that maybe she wanted a divorce, but she didn't want to deal with the shame that would come with that from her religion. So she decided to just stage his death. Sandy completely denied this, said that she had no intention of wanting a divorce. In fact, they were celebrating their wedding anniversary that night. The prosecutors also argued that Sandy had somehow convinced Jim to tie his own feet up with the telephone cord as some type of like sexual game. And they made their case that after this, Sandy gets up, goes down to the kitchen, gets a knife, and just goes upstairs and starts absolutely wailing on her husband. And they said that all of the stuff that made it seem like a home invasion were completely set up by Sandy, that she pulled out all the drawers and ransacked the house and even hid belongings of hers. They said when they first looked at the scene that there were a few red flags right away. For example, the scene of the house is really weird. I mean, I will say it too. There are some things that you would think someone would have taken. Like for example, there were drawers open that hadn't been emptied. One of them had a camera in it. There were pieces of jewelry that they could have taken that weren't taken. It was like only certain things, but there were bikes in their garage. There were prescription medications that someone might want to steal. I mean, she had a lot of medication. That's something that's often taken in a home invasion. There were still TVs. There were all these different things. Like if someone's going to break in and kill someone, wouldn't they want to make it worth it and, you know, steal everything that they can? So that was really weird. However, they did notice that there were plugs where there used to be a TV, like plugged in and the TV was missing. 
dancing, for example, or a radio. So it was kind of mixed. There definitely were some things taken. It just was strange that not every single thing that could be taken was taken. But this definitely, you know, leaves some room in the jury for reasonable doubt. Could this have been staged? But that night, deputies made this video showing how Sandra could have staged the crime scene to look like a home invasion pulling the chair against the door from inside the closet. But there was no side man that she had. There was no life insurance policy. There was really no reason for her to want to kill her husband on their anniversary like that. Another thing was Sandy was completely clean when they found her. Not any blood on her hands or anything. There was no signs of blood in the sinks, in the bathtub. Also, she had absolutely no defense wounds. Like she didn't even have a broken nail or a scratch on her. Like if she was really fighting with Jim at the end of his life, he had clear marks where he was fighting back, but she didn't have anything. One thing that the defense argued is that there was random DNA for a male and a female, both unknown in different parts of the house. Now, if you remember, there was a female's blouse found in the hot tub as well. One thing that was kind of sketchy though is prosecutors were able to pull Sandy's recent medical records in the last couple years. And basically whenever doctors had asked her if she was having seizures, she was say no. During the, uh, the trial, the prosecution had acquired all the medical records and showed and just listed the dates up there and everything else uh, for doctor's visits, no seizure, no seizure, no seizure, getting better, you know, that kind of stuff. And prosecutors actually argued that even though she was tied up and everything, Sandy was able to prop that chair up and lock herself in the closet. They basically argued that she would have been able to tie herself up and stage the entire Thing. However, Jim's brother, the one who found them, believes that Sandy is innocent. And he said that when he found her, her arms were tied up like this, you know, tied around her forearms, not just her hands. So it'd be like nearly impossible to do that type of tie on yourself. Another thing that they used in trial was this chair, this dining room chair that was mysteriously in their bedroom. They argued that Sandy actually brought the chair into the bedroom and made Jim sit on it as some type of like sexual activity, pretended that she was gonna give him a massage and then killed him. But if you actually look at the photos from the crime scene, you can see that there's a little mark where the chair was sitting, indicating that that chair had been there a long time. And we actually found out that they used the chair so that their Pomeranian could get up and down from the bed. So, I mean, any pet owner understands something like that. So the chair was always there and that bit of evidence is really weak. None of Sandra's blood or DNA was found on Jim I don't know. I don't know why there wasn't any DNA found. I do know that if there had been DNA found on his body that came back to Sandra, it would have been explained by the sheer fact that they were married. But there was unidentified male and female DNA found in the house. They also argued during the trial that there was a potential suspect that police pretty much blew off. There was a guy living down the street who had been convicted of a few crimes and had actually just been released from jail a few nights before. And all police did for this man was bring a business card and put it in his door. And they never heard back from him, so case closed on that guy, I guess. Closing arguments have just wrapped up in the case against a woman accused of murdering her husband and then trying to cover it up. You guys saw the photos. You saw all the wounds that he had, the 13 stab wounds, all the other wounds that he had in his body and his head. Certainly that person intended to kill him, or that person certainly intended to cause serious bodily injury, which resulted in death. We've proven all of those things. In the Sandra Melgar case, 
There's no physical evidence in this case that points to her at all. She makes a strike straight up all the way to his neck. That's what that first strike is. Jamie, of course, gets up to try and defend himself, turns around, and that's when she gets him on the, on the thumb. The defense criticizing shoddy detective work and saying the evidence is just not there. Look at what remains. No broken nails, no problems with the hands, no bruising here where you would expect it if a knife was used. We are on verdict watch in the case against 57-year-old Sandra Melgar. The jury started deliberating yesterday evening, continued to deliberate this morning, and in fact, just moments ago, took a break. We'll have to see what the jury decides, and we'll let you know when a verdict is handed down. But after 11 days of trial, where most people thought there was no way that Sandy was going to be guilty for this, it was finally time for the jury to deliberate. It took the jury two days to reach a verdict. At first they were really split down the middle, but over time they ended up going one way. And that's when they found Sandra Melger guilty of murdering Jim Melger and sentenced her to 27 years. And we figured that at that point she would be in her early 70s and uh, uh, maybe have a chance of seeing her grandchildren at that point. So it was a humane decision, frankly. Um, do we think this woman's a threat to society? None of us thought that. Prosecutor's testimony, right? It all made sense. Now, was it absolutely provable? Uh, uh, no, but it's the only thing that made sense. Sandra told us just because her seizure condition was stable didn't mean she wasn't experiencing symptoms. I believe that for, for one thing, people don't realize what, it, what a seizure is or what it feels like to go into a seizure and then when you come out of a grand mal seizure. You know, you don't remember a lot of stuff. But the things you were hearing from Sandra, the jury never did. She never took the stand to testify. Both Sandy and Jim's family are completely shocked. There's really no one in their families that thinks that Sandy actually did this. I mean, really no one was expecting this. You two are the only people that saw Sandra tied up. Is there any way in your mind she could have done that herself? No. No. There's just no way that she could have done that to him. I've lost my father and here I am about to lose my mother. It's supposed to be the justice system that it's just completely broken. They believe that they didn't get a fair trial. They were using evidence that wasn't even there. And their whole family has just been left absolutely shocked by this. Just not even knowing what to do. They got it wrong. They, uh, they got it completely wrong. I had a lump on my head, so I was hit, and then I went into a seizure, more than likely. I mean, no one was there to actually see it, but that's how it felt like when I woke up. Sandra, did you kill your husband? No, I did not kill my husband. No. And you have grandkids. And my grandbabies, yeah. You're missing out on. I know. I know that really hurts me. I, I miss them so much. I mean, I'm just gonna keep fighting this until I'm out of here. Since then, there hasn't been too much going on. Sandy is in the process of appealing the verdict. The family is trying to raise funding for trying to figure out who actually did this and solve it themselves so that they can free her. There's been one big piece of evidence that they feel could possibly lead somewhere, and that is that that blouse that was found in the bathtub is actually a specific type of blouse that can only be found at Costco stores, meaning that whoever did this was probably a Costco customer. I'm going to link 
make the fundraising effort so you guys can donate if you feel that this is a misjustice because I really do. I have to really insert my opinion on this. I think it's insane that she got convicted. I really did not expect this. I mean, I'm not saying that 100,000% there's no way she did this. I mean, there's always a possibility. Some of the most unpredictable people end up becoming murderers and people kill their husbands all the time even though they look like they're in love. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but I really think it's really unlikely. And for them to have convicted her beyond a reasonable doubt, it's just insane to me. Like this woman should not be in jail in my opinion. I think this is absurd. I feel so sorry for this family, but of course I'm open to your opinions on this. Let me know what you think. Do you think Sandy did it? Do you think that this is the outcome that should have happened? That is gonna be it for me today, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode and make sure you follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. If you wanna watch the video version of this show, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which will be linked, or you can just search Kendall Ray. I will be back with another episode soon, but until then, stay safe out there.